Introducing Finally, a new energy-efficient light bulb that reveals beauty in your home. Colors are true and natural, never washed out. Which is why radio is the worst place to advertise. I mean, <clears throat> that finally advertises in a non-visual medium is just bewildering. It's absurd, really. Finally, you'll love your light. Maybe a little too much. Available at Costco. Blog Talk Radio. Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Mission Unstoppable. Mission Unstoppable. The Unstoppable Ones. You did say Unstoppable, right? Yeah. You did say Unstoppable, right? What is it they know that I don't? Coach Frankie Picasso takes you on the Mission Unstoppable. Can anyone stop these people? I don't think so. <laughs> Good evening. I am the Unstoppable Coach Frankie Picasso, and you are about to go on another Mission Unstoppable. Tonight we're going to be looking at what a talented graphologist can tell us about the hidden secrets so many of us hide from the world. My guest is oft referred by her Fortune 100 clients as her secret weapon. She's a corporation's crystal ball and one of the best kept secrets of those in the know. Jerry Cohen of Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream knows. So does CNN. New York Post, and Working Women's Magazine. But what do they know that you don't? Well, for one thing, they know the value of solid information, forewarned is forearmed, as they say. So stay close, stay tuned, and we'll be back in just a moment. Today is Tuesday, June the 30th, and you are listening to the live version of Mission Unstoppable Radio. The time is 8 p.m. in New York, 5 p.m. in Los Angeles. And in case any of our friends in England are still up and listening, Diane, I mean you, go to bed. It's 1 a.m. I'd like to thank the good folks here at Blog Talk Radio for allowing me to broadcast over their network, and I'd especially like to thank you for tuning in each and every week. This afternoon, my daughter left home for three months. She's flying clear across the country. She's now about uh, three hours into her way on to Seattle from Toronto, and I'm hopefully um, hoping that she's going to land safely sometime in the next three hours. So if I seem a little bit distracted, it might have something to do with it. Um, I'm a nervous mom flyer. <laughs> How does that work? I'm not really sure. So why don't you uh, help me take my mind off of this by joining me now in the chat room. That would be great. Okay, back to the program. It is my pleasure to introduce to you a woman who is always a welcome guest on this show. Arlen Imberman is the author of the book, Signature for Success. Her New York City-based company, Emerging Image, Inc., has counseled emerging growth companies, startups, and not-for-profits for almost two decades. And you can go to www.emergingimage.net to find out more about her. She's been featured numerous times in the media on Bloomberg Business Radio, Court TV, CNN, Los Angeles Times, Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times. She was trained in Gestalt Graphology by the esteemed Felix Weiss. Arlen has taught graphology at Marymount Manhattan College and provides graphology and executive coaching consultation services for Fortune 500 companies, insurance companies, fine jewelers, and California cryobanks. She is a Vice President Emeritus of the National Society for Graphology, the first graphologist to address students of Columbia University's Graduate School of Business and New York University alumni. 
In addition to a background in Jungian psychology and social work, she received her certification in management development from Cornell University and her coach training coursework at New York University. Now, I am sure that most of you have heard the expression, you can run, but you can't hide. Well, it's never been more true. The handwriting is on the wall. And tonight, Arlen is focusing her attention on Wall Street, ex-Bernie Madoff. So please welcome Ms. Arlen Imberman back to Mission <clears throat> Unstoppable Radio. <laughs> How are you? Good well, to see you here. very much for such a wonderful welcome. How are you? I'm, I'm really great. Hey, thank you. I'm sorry to yeah. order. I think... Um, I think everything is going to be fine. I, I don't have a crystal ball, but the law of averages is such that things should she should arrive safely, and I want it to just drop out of your mind. Well, thank you for that. And I know that you fly all over the country, so you know you're probably a, a much more seasoned flyer than I am. Um, that, that's why I'm able to say it to you. That's right. That's right. So, Arlen, do you think there's any any um, purpose or need to just preface what graphology is and what it's not, maybe? Sure. Uh, what, what graphology is is the ability to decode from a letter, from writing, the revelation of that person's character. And the reason one can do it is because handwriting is, for the most part, unconscious. Not your signature, but the text of a letter is unconscious. It comes from your brain. So that if, for some reason, you have a stroke, you are not able to ever write quite the same way again as compared to whether or not you've had a prosthesis, you've had a problem with your hand and an artificial hand, you can learn to write again very much the way you had learned originally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a few weeks ago, I sent you a letter so that you could analyze my handwriting, and I agreed to let you surprise me on air. And I picked Two men in my life, one I see online, one I don't, <laughs> who know me really well to to be the judge, let's say, of, of that assessment. Can you just tell me which one is online? Dan is online. Okay. And, and I'm just going to, I'll bring him up. I'll bring him up so that he can talk. He can listen and he can talk at the same time. Hang on. Let's just see. There you are. Okay, Dan, you are live on air. So, welcome. Hi. 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 I did Dan's writing. <laughs> Um, you remember that, Dan? Yes, I sure do, yeah. So now oh, I have my... a chance to do Frankie's writing, <laughs> which yeah. is no, which is fun. Um, Will, is your writing posted online so that anybody can see the sample I'm talking about? You know what? It's not. I'm sorry. I didn't do it. Um, no. Sorry, guys. But I will post it after so that you can see it later. I, I would never show anybody my handwriting because it's so horrific. That's why I type I type for myself. I type notes for myself and use a printer because I can't even read my handwriting. Well, about 90% of people think their handwriting is abominable because they think it should be what they were taught in school. They think it should be the Palmer method and neat and conventional, and that's just what we don't look for. We look for writing that becomes your own way of self-expression. We look for the individual and creative ways that you choose to write, which means you've reinvented yourself and you've broken away from your past and you've become your own person. And that's what's happened with you. So I talk about in my book, uh, which I, when I teach, the different connections in writing and the different zones. And you have what we call the thread zone which means that you're really very flexible with other people, but not with your values 
or standards, you will not compromise them. You can be quite adaptable, but there's a certain point at which you will not go any further. You try always to see the other person's point of view. You don't want to get into the way of your needs, which is why you connect really well with people. It isn't about you. It's about them. And although the program is called Unstoppable, you don't reach your goals through energy so much as through willpower and focus and perseverance. You were born what the Buddhists call an old soul, which means in Buddhist terms that you've had many, many reincarnations and you've learned a great deal each time. Well, you haven't had to have those reincarnations. You were born with an awareness of life without really experiencing it or learning it, an awareness of pain and sadness and empathy and great sensitivity to other people, which you also can use in your work and in your relationships with people. And because there's a lot of space in your writing, space between the words and between the lines and between the margins, that space means clarity so that you don't, you always have options that are available to you. And that clarity is a kind of emotional clarity. It allows you to see the world around you, sort of like a kind of radar, and pick up cues and messages that are not necessarily uh, communicated in words. Uh, that enable you to understand people and to um, win their trust. You have great loyalty, and it's the one thing you cannot forgive and ever forget is disloyalty. You mind very much that people might use the same words you use but mean very different things by it. Although you fight for what you think is right and you fight for principles, you choose your battles very carefully because it takes up energy and you want to preserve that for your goals. Um, You understand that a lot of things don't have a solution, which takes a very long time to accept. And so you're ready not to fight it anymore but to move on uh, to other challenges. You've reinvented yourself many times in the course of your life. Uh, You're trying very hard to discipline the emotional side of yourself, which expresses itself in, in your warmth and concern for other people, but can also express itself in feelings of sadness. Uh, and you don't want that to cloud your lens. You are aware that sometimes you can have unrealistic expectations and you don't want to need other people who are responsible for uh, your goals. So you prize your independence first and foremost. You realize and you've come to realize uh, through many experiences that you can only count on yourself. And to be liberated is to give up the illusions and give up dependence on others, and in that sense you are a very liberated woman. Um, you are much more easily moved by feelings and situations than you appear. Your pride and your consideration for other people prevent you from showing these feelings. Uh, Your communication and connection to others is really successful because you can get out of the way of what you want to be able to hear what other people need. 
And although you don't appear this way, you do hold on very tight to things you've finally gotten. And (laughs) I call you a pit bull with manners. (laughs) Oh, Arlen, you're just too much. You know, once you... That's a lot of things that you said there. Are you done? Or have to go a little more? Almost done. Okay. I've just got two more left. Um, Okay. Some of the issues of the past have not been completely worked through, and they appear when you're tired or stressed. Your father is a predominant influence in your life. Your your daddy's little girl. I did see your father in your writing, but I didn't mm-hmm. see much of your mother. Um, so to sum up, you're a person of great resilience with a wide lens on the world and its possibilities, and I'm really happy that I've met you. Thank you so much. That, wow, that's a lot. You said a lot. You said a lot. I'm going to let I'm going to let Dan say respond to that the way he thinks what he thinks of that because yeah. it's always harder that's to fun. assess yourself. Yeah, that's it's really presumptuous. That you know, it's very presumptuous for me to go on and on and on like this. But I just wanted to do it just to show you that graphology can be a wonderful tool in understanding another person. But normally, it would take months and months and months to come to the realization of these traits and others. And with, with handwriting analysis, you can learn them, and you can learn them within a very short period of time. Okay, thank you. Dan, what do you think? Yeah. No, well, yeah? Everything, that she, everything that she said sounds exactly like Frankie Picasso. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> hear, anything, I didn't hear anything that sounded uh, uh, opposite or, or not close to what she is and, and who she is, for sure. Now, did she miss anything? Um, no, she covered <laughs> a lot of bases. I was trying to, I was trying to think of stuff, but uh, I couldn't. She really covered. Well, a lot you know, of we let, let's talk, you know, we just, we just, Dan and I spent a month in a pickup truck. Okay, we went thirteen thousand five hundred kilometers. So surely, some it can't all be good. Come on, was there anything bad that she didn't pick up on? No, I didn't. I didn't catch anything. I I really recognized the things that she did say. I really recognized where uh, where you kind of hold a grudge against people that were loyal to you, and then they weren't. <laughs> I a, a few a few things really hit home. Like I could, I really recognized them as for sure they were true. And there was a couple of things that I didn't recognize, but I think it's probably mm-hmm. because I maybe I just didn't. Uh, you know, I haven't met that part of you yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I would too. That that's fair. That's fair. Thank you. How okay. Long, how long did it take you to find out about a lot of the things that I was talking about? Um, some of the things right away. Um, other other things, you know, a few months, you know, into getting to know someone, I've you know, I found out. Uh, you find out more every day, you know. I think I think it takes a, a long time to really to really learn who someone is. It's true. And, uh, it does. You know, it takes a lifetime, old, really. If if yeah. a person is complex like Frankie, you're always going to learn things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you guys. Well, I think we should thank you so much for for coming on, Dan, and, and being the cooperator. <laughs> I don't know what would happen to my, my dad. I guess he he got stuck, maybe. But uh, maybe he'll pop up later on. 
We got some callers online. They're holding on, and we got some folks in the chat room. We want to say hello to. Nice to see you guys there. And so let's thanks. Dan. Let's just move on then with the show, and and we'll see. We'll we'll talk about this later. <laughs> I'm embarrassed now. Isn't that funny? Oh, oh. I yeah. It's kind of funny. Okay. Well, the topic of the evening is Bernie Madoff, and you know he's. And he has been in the news again this this week because yesterday he received a very stiff sentence um, by by Judge Denny Chin, who who gave him 150 years in a federal prison, meaning that there is no parole because there's no parole in federal prison. He thought the crime was extraordinarily evil. I'd like to ask you folks who are listening right now, what did you think of this sentencing? I asked some questions. I sent out a, a, a little email earlier today. If you're not on my on my list mailing list, please go to the instituteforquantumliving.com and make sure you get yourself on that list. You can also go to that site right now uh, if you did not receive this email because there are samples of the handwriting on there that Arlen will be talking about in a few minutes. Some of the questions that I was curious about was, um, you know, was there some way for investors to see the writing on the wall? Is there a way now for investors to protect themselves from future fraud? Is Madoff truly an evil man? Did anything show in his handwriting as it pertains to his character that supports his participation in such an outrageous crime? And is Madoff, who's 71 years old, capable of taking his own life? He will die in prison, but will it be by nature or will it be by his own hand? So these are some of the questions, Arlen, that I'm going to put to you this evening. I'll repeat them for you for clarity. Um, we have some guests who are also going to join us. And you can let me know if we should bring them on soon, later. Let's, you want to talk a little bit love, first, love and then we'll bring opinion. them on? I'd love their opinion of the questions, too, whichever ones they want to answer. Okay. Well, I can bring them on, and then they can, they can pipe in. How's that? But maybe we should do that. Okay. Um, let me just go to the switchboard here. I'm going to bring them live and just make sure... I think this one, I got the right one here. Let's see. Madeline, is that you? Yes, I'm here. Hi there. Okay, and I'm just going to see the other one. Um, hang on just a second because I can't, I'm not sure. She, I don't think she's in New York, but let's see who this person is. One sec. Erico212, who's calling? Hello? Okay, I'm going to put you back on hold. And let's see who's on 773. Seven seven three. I'm going to bring you up. If you are not Barbara, let me know. I am Barbara. Hello? You are Barbara. There we go. Okay. So I have both of my guests this evening, Barbara Bonfigli, um, author of Kathy Tempest, a fictionalized memoir. Barbara um, and her mom were both investors and clients of, of Madoff who lost 95% of their money with him. And we're going to be talking to her about that experience in just a moment. Madeline Zero was a recording star in Europe on MTV when her record company went bust, owing her thousands of dollars in royalties. She ended up landing a temporary job for two years as Madoff receptionist from 04 to 06. And we'll talk to her a little bit more about her career uh, in a few minutes. So both of you ladies are live. Arlen, I guess, wants you to be able to respond to those questions as well. So let, let's take it from there. Okay, so... I'm sure you all have opinions. <laughs> Did you want to take it? Did you want me to ask the question again, Arlen? Or sure. Um, I, I would love to know uh, what your guests think in terms of the answers to some of the questions that you raised. Do you want me to read them again, or 
Please do. We've just rung in. Yes. Okay. So Barbara, okay. Um, there's a quick question in, in the chat room. It, can handwriting change throughout your life? Well, all right. I, I mean, obviously, the, the handwriting questions, of course, I'll answer. But however you want to work this, you just tell me. Okay, so Rhonda, if you can hang on, then I'll get Arlen to answer that question in just a few minutes because we just brought these ladies on. Okay, so the question that I wanted to know was, um, what did you think of the sentencing? 150 years. Is it extreme? Well, I don't think it's extreme, but I think the question is what to do with the next 150 years of Bernie Madoff's life. I think my perspective on that is that it would be a mistake to put this however evil, financial genius in a dark hole. Instead, my suggestion is that we give him a fairly comfortable cell and even a cigar or two and a terminal that's locked and secure, maybe a million dollars, which is change for Bernie, and get mm-hmm. him to start trading and earning back the money that he has stolen from all of us. I think that would be a lovely way to balance his karma and we might even give him a little incentive, which might be, oh, I don't know, a day or two days off for every off of his sentence for every million he earns back for us. That's brilliant, Barbara. I love it. Now he, I, I just want to mention, he lost sixty-five billion dollars. That's what he swindled his investors up. Sixty-five billion dollars. It came out today. Okay, so Madeline, you 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 say. I think that's an awesome idea that Barbara had. Um, you know, I don't think 150 years is too stiff of a, of a sentence. Um, but, but, again, I do think that we should try to figure out how he actually pulled this off so it doesn't happen again. Good, uh, good that point. Would be awfully, that's going to be awfully difficult to do, isn't it? Because those of us who didn't go rather blindly into it but might be in the category of the New York Law School and huge foundations around the world, not to mention the Bank, Royal Bank of Scotland, it's going to be very hard to figure out how anyone pulled this off so brilliantly. Uh, it's not as though he wasn't scrutinized over the years. And one of the things that really bugs me is that people assume that all of his investors were gullible or greedy instead of the fact that we, we trusted that the authorities who look into these things were, in fact, as we thought, looking into them. And actually, the returns were not at all sensational if you compare them with hedge funds in the same period. But what I was meaning was, like, the CIA often hires criminals to try to figure out how they pull off certain crimes. So maybe mm-hmm. he could work with someone and, and, you know what I mean, and sort of establish standards that would raise flags in the future. Okay. Or Arlen? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, what I think is so fascinating about the idea is that we all know he couldn't have done this alone. So whether or not he would then have to contact other people who may have helped him uh, amass this amazing amount of money would be very interesting for the authorities to see. And uh, there's no question that... um, you take a criminal to find other criminals, except that I don't know how successful he would be knowing that he's being watched. He's a man who loves to operate behind screens and more screens. And when you talk about people being gullible, most people who invested with Bernie Madoff never met him and never knew about him. They knew about him through feeder funds who were often very respectable, patrician 
men who would uh, sell Bernie Madoff's ideas to these people and who, in fact, rooted the mon- rerouted the money to his funds. So uh, the, the, his wooing, his wooing and seduction of the, of the regulators, I think, is one of the most extraordinary parts of this whole scam. You're well, I, did, I did meet him um, very early on in my um, in, investing with him. Yes, but, I, I, I do think that the majority of the people who did invest with him did not meet him. Yes, that's, that's, certainly that's true. And I would love to know, because I do know some people who did meet him and turned him down, I would love to know what your impression of him was, because according to my analysis of his writing, he was he he may he had a great future behind him. He had unbelievably impeccable credentials, but I never saw him as anything but avuncular. I didn't see him as a charismatic, dynamic, incredibly charming man. I saw him as a kind of fantasy uncle that you always would want to, to put his arm around you and take care of you and tell you that everything was going to be all right. So I'd love to know what your impression of him was when you met him. Well, uh, this is Barbara again. I I did you know I think that's uh, that's very clever I think avuncular is not a bad word although I don't know how smart all of our uncles are to me uh, <laughs> Bernie what really impressed me was that he was quite modest and I know that that's something that came out in one of the early documentaries about him he took me into his office we talked for a few minutes about his technique of using the uh, S&P 100 index to protect your investment so that you never made as much as people made in very good times and you never lost what people lost in poor times. He had a scheme that seemed very intelligent. He could discuss it uh, dispassionately, and he was very friendly without being – there was no uh, sense that you were being operated on, and that's obviously how it worked so well with so many people along. If you look at writing, by the way, you will see how he hides. I mean, we can talk about that later. Hmm. But he has a remarkably modest writing. When yeah. you think Barbara, can I? Can I? Uh, sorry, Arlen. I just want to know what what age group were you in at the time? Were you in your thirties, forties, or fifties when I you met him? My late twenties. Oh, you were in your late twenties. Oh, okay. Okay. And Madeline, how old were you when you worked for him? What age group were you in? I was in my twenties, and I actually saw also him in your 20s. almost every day for two years. Oh, so right. You know, yeah. Better, you have a, you'll have a much better, a clearer impression on. And a different relationship. Absolutely. Probably. We, we didn't really discuss money all that much, but he was very charming, and um, he had this energy about him. I mean, he was you know almost he was in his late sixties at the time, and he just I don't know he just had this air about him. He was he was like from another time. You you really just thought that you were around someone that was so well-traveled and so, you know, articulate and yet humble at the same time. So I guess everybody... You mentioned, you mentioned Madeline, you mentioned, sorry, that, that he was kind of manic about the phones being answered. Oh, he was manic about all sorts of things in the office. So um, Okay, okay. So, like, what, what other things was he part. manic about? I mean, he would definitely call me every two minutes and be like, did the phone ring? Well, did the phone ring now? Well, did the phone... You know, just... I mean, it was almost like I would roll my eyes and be like, oh, Lord, you know. Um, But he was very particular about the way the office was. The orchids had to be replaced every two weeks at the same time almost. Um, Always orchids? 
with orchids, always a white orchid, nothing else. Okay. He would go, he would freak completely out. Um, Interesting. So, and, and he was also, you know, I mean, he would joke around with me. It was almost sexual harassment, but in the way that he did it, he would get away with it. It, it didn't mm-hmm. come across as rude. Because he's the yeah, uncle. Yeah. <laughs> Arlen, Arlen, does his does his handwriting show any of that kind of um, tiger waiting to come out? What is interesting? I have two samples of his writing. I don't know if yeah. Let's let's refer to it. If you have this email from me today, uh, it came probably around five o'clock, four thirty. Um, you will see his signature a lot next to his face. And maybe Arlen can describe that, or you can go to instituteforquantumliving.com and see it um, underneath Mission Unstoppable Radio. So either of those two places right now. Okay. I'd be I'd be very interested in whether or not Arlen finds creativity in that handwriting because. Well, first of all, sorry, didn't mean mm-hmm. to interrupt you. Uh, the signature, of course, is is a very small sample of what to go, and I don't have a text of a letter. Uh, and his signature changed significantly from 07 when he was still appearing at the top of his game to the day that he confessed uh, to the FBI in, in uh, 08. And I don't know if you have uh, – do you have either of the signatures near you? No. No, I don't. Do, do you, you, got, you got an email from me, Barbara. Yes. Maybe you can check it. It's on that email. Just scroll not down it, and you'll see. It's not something that, that, that printed out, I'm, I'm afraid. Hmm. Um, okay, if you right-click, the pictures will pop up. Or you just go to the website if you can. You can go to the I'm instituteforquantumliving.com. No, I know you're not lying. Sometimes it, it's oh, hard not, to... I'm online to with you. <laughs> oh, you're online. So you, oh, so you can't go to a website. Okay. Well, you can look later, maybe. Sorry. And, and what and 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 so you you just have the signature something that um but the signatures are quite different um, uh-huh. as they are you know a signature is a, a snapshot it's not a portrait it's the way you feel at a moment in time and the letter letters in in O seven are very rigid which means that once he begins on a path it's very difficult for him to change course and the only legible letter in O seven is the B in Bernard. Uh, the D in Bernard and the D in Madoff are opaque, which means he doesn't want to be transparent. And because handwriting is divided into three zones, it's the upper zone which represents your... Am I going too fast? No. I, no. Your upper zone represents your aspiration. Your middle, the middle zone represents your ego, what you put your feet on, you know, your, what you rest on to function every day. And the lower zone are your appetites. Well, there's no middle zone in the writing, which means he had no sense of self, but there are huge capitals, which means that they're, fi- they're filled with narcissism. And one of the reasons why he had to keep going, even though he made an enormous amount of money before the Ponzi scheme, in my opinion, was without a deal, without the adrenaline high of this gamble, he didn't feel he existed. Hmm. This- I believe you. I really, everything that I saw about him pointed exactly to what you just said. Yet there's a modesty to the signature, which means he operates under the radar. Mm-hmm. And um, since he was addicted to his own adrenaline, he would rather be seen as a thief than a loser. Because in this country, you know, thieves get more respect. Notoriety, yeah. And more press coverage than losers. Sure. <laughs> I mean, think about Klaus Kulo, you know, when he was invited to dinner yeah. after he was accused of killing his wife. 
he um he he had he as you you know much more than me he was a poor boy from queens who wanted to be accepted by the jewish aristocracy by the aristocracy in general and um once he made money for people they depended on him and he resented them terribly because he felt he worked so hard to give his investors an easy life and he while he liked the control he resented the fact that they depended on him and he felt that he wasn't completely appreciated um there's a leftward slant to the writing which means that he's resistant to any kind of rule or regulation but what is interesting is the lower zone. Now, the lower zone represent appetites. And he goes, he, he, he places the B like a claw in the lower zone. He places the D and the M in Madoff, which don't belong in the lower zone, in the lower zone. He extends the uh, lines there. And that claw is seen as a sign of grasping and avarice. And there's no connection between his first name and his last name. That's his, one, his compulsion, which you were describing earlier. And two, he doesn't want reflection or distraction of any kind. He doesn't want to have to think about who he is or what he did. The second writing, which is the writing that came out 12-1708, he completely crosses himself out like a picket fence, like a wire fence, so that you cannot see who he is, where he is, or how he operates. And in my book, I, I talk about Hitler and I talk about Nixon and other people at different times in their lives. And when Nixon resigned, his writing was one line, like an EKG line. Mm -hmm. This is similar to Bernie Madoff at the time of the arrest. Doesn't this also wow. make, make, make it more logical that he really kept... Um, he had two lives, the first name and the last name, and that when we talk about, uh, I, for instance, don't believe that his family knew what he was doing. I think he was, um, if he could deceive um, the SEC and he could deceive the Royal Bank of Scotland and the, and the New York City Law School, he probably, uh, everyone was happy with the returns, didn't ask questions, don't ask, don't tell, <laughs> maybe it's a, a version of that. And that he really, you know, loved his grandchildren, didn't understand that he was systematically destroying their lives every moment that he was trading and dealing in this fictitious business. Well, logically what you say makes sense. Um, it's just almost impossible for me to imagine, frankly, that his wife was not aware of a great part of it. But, we, but I'm talking about the way you're analyzing his handwriting. There's such a great difference. Oh, it, it, there's no question. Bernie, the, he had many lives. He had, life, he had the life of a poor Jewish boy who was not a finished product. He had the life of an immensely successful treasurer of yeshiva, pillar of the community, and visionary, amazing visionary was Nasdaq. And he had the life of a family man. And it was um, he, he juggled them extremely well. And you're right. You're absolutely right. And, and, you know, the way we write our first name, which is who we are, is very different than the way we write our last name, which is the name that has been given to us by our family uh -huh. versus our own accomplishments. Madeline, did, did yes. you meet his family in the office? I, yes, did you see I how he interacted with his children? And his, you did. What, what, yeah. How was he with them? Well, 
they, first of all, they just came across as a really great close-knit family. Mm-hmm. And his two boys, Andy and Mark, I mean, I agree with Barbara. I really, in my heart, believe, and I, I knew them pretty well, that they had no idea because mm-hmm. they just were so proud to be made off. And really the way that it was structured, I'm sure everyone's read about it, but there was this, like, strange floor that even me, I wasn't allowed on it. I didn't have a key. And that was kind of where all the shady stuff happened. But the boys were, they ran the, the floor above me, and they just, there's no way they could have known. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I know Ruth, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, couldn't, I could say with Ruth it could have gone either way. Um, just because I know she loved Bernie, they, she really believed they were soulmates, and they, you know, they were married for a long time. And I think she probably would have done anything for him, but her boys did not know. There's no way. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly the impression I have, and I also think that's why I have to say that although I've lost all my money with him, and I will now be selling my book with vigor in order to make up for the losses. Um, I do, I do believe that he's a sociopath, and that you can't um, really target your anger at, at Bernie. I want to ask you this question, Barbara. Sorry, let, let's get back to that in just one second, because I do want to ask you. You, you were, um, you'd lost your money. No, you hadn't. You, were, you, you wrote this book, Kathy Tempest, and you were doing a book signing when you received a, a phone call from a friend, and, and your friend said, "Are you sitting down?" And what happened after that? Well, that's 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 pretty much what happened. Although it's not it's not quite like that. I wrote this book, and I I've been living in part time in Greece for a long time. And I finally okay. um, I'd done a lot of other writing. I was a lyricist with off off Broadway and on Broadway, and and the producer of theater in London. And I sat down and wrote Cafe Tempest: Adventures on a Small Greek Island. And about two days after I got word that as a first time fiction author. I had a publisher, and you can imagine how elated I was. It's just not happening these days. Yeah. Uh, Two days later, I got a call in the morning. I was actually on a yoga retreat. Uh, That's another theme of my book and something very dear to me. And I got a call from a friend of mine um, in New York who said, are you sitting down? And, you know, naturally one's mind wanders to, is your mother terribly ill? Has there been a, a terrible accident? And he said, Bernie Madoff was arrested this morning, and we have lost everything. Wow. And I must say, you know, I had a strange, possibly it was a strange reaction. I was was relieved. I mean, in that moment of imagining what could be worse than the the classic, you know, corny line, are you sitting down, um, compared to the, the tragedy of losing someone you love, losing your money, it's bad, but it's recoverable. Ninety-five percent of your money, and your mother too, right? And my mother as well. Yes. Now, now you said that Kathy Tempest was a a fictional memoir, and it had to do. What? How does it tie in with with Madoff's sleight of hand? Well, in a, in a way, the the only way I suppose it ties in is that the protagonist uh, finds herself on her favorite small Greek island and is asked to produce the the summer play with the locals, and she chooses the Tempest. And that's why it's called Cafe Tempest, because mm-hmm. mainly what happens is that there's only one female lead in, cafe, in, in, in the Tempest, and all the other women are the wives and mothers and girlfriends of the actors, and they begin bringing huge amounts of food, a very typical small Greek island situation, to, uh, to the rehearsals, and, it, and the rehearsals turn into a feast in four acts. And the, I suppose what really happens is that 
the protagonist is also writing an article for Yoga Journal, and she's talking about balancing one's karma. It's a kind mm-hmm. of a tricky subject, but in my mind, th- that's how I came to, first of all, I realized that Mad- it would be a total waste of Madoff's life to put him away in a cell. You know, as Arlen has been discussing, mm-hmm. he actually was a very brilliant trader on the NASDAQ long before this scheme was invented. This isn't someone who only worked with smoke and mirrors. He was a mm-hmm. serious uh, trader. And I thought this, this ties in very well with Sarah philosophy. Sarah's the main character in my novel. She sees things at, in their kind of karmic uh, believability. You know, what is, what, is, what is justice in this lifetime? Mm-hmm. And I think for Bernie, justice is go back and make that money back. He's only 71 years old. It's a very mm-hmm. tenuous connection. The only real connection beyond that is that I, I must admit when I, I had such a good time writing Cafe Tempest that I was, couldn't wait once I had a publisher to go off and write my next book. And boy, when I found out I didn't have a penny to retire to a nice <laughs> cabin and maybe a catered cave somewhere, I, I realized I had to throw myself into uh, publicizing this book, doing a book tour, doing all the blogging and, and Facebooking and Twittering and all the things I, ha- I really have very little idea about, and get, get the word out and let people enjoy this book, which is a, a great deal of fun. It's had wonderful reviews. But thank for- It is a really great book. I, she, Barbara has sent me her book, and her, her writing is, is delightful. It really is. Uh, you kind of remind me of, of Molly Sheepshanks or something. Um, cafe triple w dot cafe tempest dot com. Please help her out. She lost ninety five percent of her money. <laughs> Go buy her book. Thanks for that. Okay. Thank you so much. And what do with 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 Bernie Arlen? What do you think of my plan? I I think you're a very evolved woman. You know, I I am tremendously impressed. What what amazes me about this whole thing is the way that people have decided to uh, renew the values in their life. The way that people have decided that they're not going to give him any more power by being angry with him, that they've got to go on, mm-hmm. they've got to move ahead and, and think about. I was reading a very interesting book about Warren Buffett where he said late in his life after he lost his wife, which was a great loss to him, although they didn't live together for many years, that um, he began, he, that it wasn't just about money, that his entire way of measuring himself had been Berkshire Hathaway. And he said, you know, there comes a point where you wonder if all the people that you that matter to you really love you and respect you and how important that becomes to you rather than the people who use you or who invest with you. And your attitude is, is absolutely amazing to me. I, I, I have to, I mean, I'm longing to meet your book and I'd love to meet you. Because I can't think of a better and more healthier way to deal with what seems almost indescribable than what you've said. I, I yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I, really, I, I do. It's oh, an ingenious please, please, idea. Please. The only thing I, 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 I want to say is you're talking about a man who operated completely in secret. That was his great thrill. The danger of what he might be putting over on somebody, the, day, the, the pleasure of being able to pull off the greatest swindle in all time. He will be scrutinized and he will be watched. It would be a fascinating thing if he would be able to do that. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes, of course. I mean, he did it before. We, 
we think there were many, many years before 1992 when this probably began, um, or it actually it may have been earlier than that. But there were so many years, as you said, when he, you know, he was the ingenious um, designer of the Nasdaq, for example. He, so he did things, and, and in that way, and you also notice. And that increased transparency. The irony of it is, he wanted to increase transparency on the Nasdaq right. and make it more democratic. Right. So, okay, let's, I, I just want to meet um, Madeline here for a second and, and find out how she got to be the receptionist in, in Madoff's um, office. Today, you were, you, what happened? You were a, a singing, your record company went broke. What happened, Madeline? Tell yeah, us the story. I was living in Germany, and I had a number one song on MTV, and I was doing really, really great. And I had just mm-hmm. finished my solo album, and my record company, had, they had told me that they were going to pay me back for all of these expenses and traveling around Europe. And... They called me and said, we're going out of business. We don't have any money. So I found myself very much in debt and, um, you know, very disillusioned. And I just decided I was going to take a job temping to sort of stop the financial bleeding. And I ended up at Madoff. And I had no idea I was going to be there for a day, maybe a week. And it ended up being two years. Mm. And did you Now, and today you're back recording and you have a clothing company. Yes, I do. (laughs) So um, I left in 2006. Thank you. Yeah, I left in 2006. I got back on my feet. And, um, you know, I, Bernie told me when I left, you know, you'll always have a place. You can always come back here and work. <laughs> and, you know, I just I felt like it was in New York, you know, like just it had the strongest backbone of any company I'd ever seen. And it was such a shock to me. I had no idea. And I'm usually a pretty intuitive person, but mm-hmm. I was I had no idea either. Wow. Wow. You got That's pretty out. amazing. Okay, you know, let's 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 go back to some of those um those questions I I asked at the beginning. Let's let's see the other one. Okay. So, we we said um how how what can we do about this? And was there a way for investors to protect themselves from future fraud? Now, Arlen, they could have come to somebody like you and got some insight into that character. And they still can if if people are cuz companies do it all the time. They come to see you all the time. They do. The signature on the Forbes said actually that rather than read the annual report, which is puffery, look at the signature of the man making the decision in the company. Now they may not have had Bernie's um, signature. I don't know if uh, any of them actually saw his signature, but they certainly had the signature of their own advisor who put them in touch with Bernie, whether they were aware of it or not. And you could tell an extraordinary amount. Um, about a person in terms of danger signals that will pop up at you. And you you can see this on Bernie's uh, signature when you look at your email after this program is over. You can begin to see signs that will lead you to believe that you've got to do more due diligence. It's very easy to be seduced into wanting to be part of a group that you admire. And you've got to, you've got to independently realize that this is an incredibly unsentimental decision that's going to affect your life. And because a signature is a part of you, there's no question, and writing is certainly a part of you, I'm not saying that it's the only thing. I'm saying it can give you a warning that will lead you to want to do further research and investigation. I'm just going to see if this caller who's been Hello, Eric 212, and it's not you, Arlen. <laughs> I believe you're a New York caller. Are you, did you want to say something? 
No, I really have nothing to say. I was okay. using the phone only because I couldn't get you on my screen. And I'm okay, no, okay. I'm listening, and I think Barbara is absolutely brilliant, but it might be. It might be because I'm her mother. <laughs> oh wow! Be part of you. Well, how did you feel? How did you feel when you lost all your money? Well, I thought it was devastating, but because I am very blessed and very lucky, because I really am a meditator, as is Barbara, and we have a spiritual teacher. And I think, if I may say so humbly, being on the spiritual path, you just know that. It's not taking you away or or the real you or what's inside you. And so I've just been able to accept it, and I'm doing things very differently. I live in, I think, a very special place that I have for sale because I can't afford to live in it anymore. So I'm, I'm accepting all of these things, and I'm enjoying your program. And uh, forgive me, I didn't want to speak, but you had my number. Well, there you go. I got your number. Okay. Well, I'll put you back on hold because we we have very we got eleven minutes and boy, we got so much more to say. I can't believe okay, how I'm Thank you. Thank you so much for for hanging in there. Thanks. Yes, your daughter is, is, okay. is delightful. <laughs> okay. Didn't mean to cut you out there. Um, serious question time, Arlen. One hundred fifty years is a very long time. Do you think Bernie is going to go with natural causes, or does is there something in his writing that says he could take his own life? I do believe that he is extremely sensitive to shame regarding his children and his family, and I do agree, although I certainly don't have the information that your callers do about his relationships with him. Mm-hmm. I think if anything would be would be a catalyst, it might be the incredible shame that he has caused the people that he has so had so close to him all these years. And the fact that there is, a, for a man who is living for the deal, living for the high, living for what he can pull out and pull over people, to have nothing to look forward to, nothing but day after day of darkness and sameness. I think that that, I, you, I don't know if any of you have heard of Michele Sindona, who was a tremendous scoundrel and who robbed the Vatican Bank, um, he did commit suicide in prison. He was sentenced. Okay. Well, what about suggesting my idea to Bernie? I I think it's a fascinating, you know, I'd never heard it before, and I've been studying a lot about Bernie and speaking a lot about him. I think it's an extraordinarily interesting idea. Yeah, I really like that. Now, you've been comparing um, other handwriting to Bernie, one one such handwriting is that of, and we have his handwriting available as well at the same two places. Uh, Ken Lay, who was you know best known for his role in the widely reported corruption scandal that led to the downfall of Enron. Um, you also have you also have the handwriting of Jack Welsh, former chairman and CEO of General Electric, who has a solid reputation for uncanny business acumen, who today is worth something like $720 million, and he is highly regarded for his innovative management strategy and leadership style. So let's look at those two sets of handwriting compared to Bernie Madoff before the scandal broke and see what do we see there. Do we see leaders, the same kind of leaders? What's going on? Yes. Okay. Um, What... Ken Lay's writing, which is totally different than uh, Bernie Madoff, 
reveals is that he can really function and negotiate his work his world very well and he's really good at handling stress but again he's not interested in self-awareness he's not interested in emotions he manages them by suppressing them uh the he has split letters which means in jungian terms an ego defeat at the age of three his letters go in many different directions uh it, it, I'm sorry that you don't have it in front of you as I'm speaking because it makes it a bit difficult for me to talk about, but tremendous aggressiveness, tremendous impulsivity, and a very low self-esteem. One of the things that all scoundrels I've looked at, including John Fain, Dennis Kozlowski, Ivan Boski, all of them are in Signature for Success, is an almost neglected, shriveled middle zone, hmm. a squashed middle zone of ego. And so where where do they make their mark by being outlandish by doing many things for attention and by and it's never enough it's never enough there's a permanent hole in their ego so that it can never be filled no matter what they make how much money they earn how much press they get each day they wake up and it's what can I do for myself today and what is the underzone then reveal you mean the lower zone yeah with Ken Lay? With Ken Lay. I mean, it sounds terrifying, broken letters going in all directions. Oh. But what is the underzone like? If you mean the lower zone, it's... Oh, yes. It's, yeah, it's... Um, it, it, it drifts in different directions, and it, uh, it doesn't come up to the baseline, which is the area of consciousness. He doesn't want to know. He is capable of deceiving himself as much as other people into believing all kinds of things. And as you know, you know, he wanted to be the bank. He wanted to be the energy bank and, uh, it, and uh, between, as an intermediary between suppliers and consumers. And he held uh, California consumers' ransom by closing off electricity there, despite power being available. So he, uh, his death, I also thought, was extremely interesting, fascinating. Um, the, what does John say about him? Because his signature to me just looks open. You're talking about welcoming. Jack Welch? Yeah. Now, Jack Welch brought, he, forget whether you think he's a nice man or not, which is not relevant to the conversation. He brought right. extraordinary returns to his investors. Um, in the year before he became CEO, GE recorded revenues of $26 billion. And in 2000, the year before he left, the revenues were $130 billion. So wow. his signature is full of power, full of energy, full of clarity, and the middle zone is highly articulated. Yes. The, um, there, is, there, there is positive and negative narcissism, and there's nothing wrong with positive narcissism. It, it, many, many leaders have had it. Mm-hmm. He, has, have to. he has very positive narcissism. Uh, he, he's also not interested in relationships, but, but only in results. But he has a very stable baseline. He has a very strong sense of who he is. He never lifts his hand off the page between John F. Welch and Jr., which shows his, his uh, focus and his compulsiveness. And um, the lower zone is it, it, it's not money for him so much as power and what that money is able to make for him. What that the doors that money opened to him that he that he loved. 
uh, he manages his emotions extremely well. Uh, he believes in excess. I mean, he enjoys the trappings of of his success. Uh, he could be ruthless, which is again this um, tremendous consistency and uh, connection between each of the words of his signature. He could eliminate people that don't serve his purpose, and and he did very brilliantly when he was uh, head of GE. The F in his middle initial is a spear, which is like a harpoon, you know, mm-hmm. Ahab and the whale. Yeah. Um, but there's no question that he is. I, 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 if you talk about emotional intelligence, um, he has the SOB factor. He has emotional intelligence. He's not a nice man, but he he's got it all together, mm-hmm. and he's somebody who will deliver. And he did, just as Warren Buffett has. You know that's so interesting from a spiritual point of view, because there's nothing wrong with having a very strong ego, if you have the awareness that you are a spiritual being and that others are as well, and that you actually revel in that. I, I didn't say he had that awareness. But, what you, <laughs> said he had, but you said he had a very strong middle zone. You know? Yes, and he, so has a, he has an very awareness strong, of himself. He has an awareness has of very himself. Strong, that's, so, so. that's so necessary. Oh, yes. In a it, Western it, culture, it, if you don't it, believe in yourself, no one else will believe in you. That's right. Anyone who's going to be a successful leader has to have that strong middle zone. Let's not confuse spirituality, because anyone who knows the details of his divorce with his second wife Mm -hmm. would never accuse this man of a great deal of spirituality. Uh, He's a fighter. He, He understands what is necessary to win, and he's got the mental balance and the sense of self to be able to carry it off. And again, when you see his signature, when when this conversation is over, you'll see what I mean. So, does size have anything to do with it? I mean, Ken and, and Bernie's are relatively. I mean, Ken's is the smallest. Bernie's is next, and Jack has is a little bit bigger. In 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 your experience. Does size have anything to do with anything, or is it, it just... It's, it's yeah. not so much size as the proportion of the three. Okay. Well, so if, if the enormously large, grandiose letters, which is the okay. way you respond to people, and you see a tiny middle zone, you realize this is a posturing, but this person is really frightened and insecure behind this mask, behind this persona. Okay. Now, the question that we didn't answer earlier that was in the, in the chat room um, was about handwriting that changes through your life obviously it does like you said we learned cursive writing in school and then you go off and you become who you are and and your writing changes again and i mean i was like you know i had the ruler on my wrist i went to you know private girls school like i and you they would they would like die in horror if they ever saw my handwriting today so what happens with that what happens with as our handwriting changes but what's the consistency that lasts for our lifetime oh okay there are a lot of people who, whose writing do, does not change. It doesn't necessarily follow. There are people who are so afraid to take risks and who are so afraid to deviate from that which was safe and their past to them that they will keep their writing to a certain extent as they learned it. But if you want to grow and develop and be your own person and stretch yourself and experiment, you will change your writing. 
Also, speed can change your writing. If okay. A lot of people write because they want to get rid of a thought. They don't think anybody else is going to see what they're writing. Their hand doesn't work as fast as their mind, and so it, it appears a scribble, but it doesn't matter. When I've done the writing of brilliant entrepreneurs, it, it was a creative chaos. It doesn't matter, but when you go home, if you look at writing from your past, if you've signed books or if you've sent cards, you will see tremendous differences. And if you think about what you were writing and what happened on the day you wrote that, you'll begin to see how that experience affected your writing. Arlen, I just want to say a quick hi. Um, guess who showed up? Hi, Dad. Hello, Frankie, and ladies, you are marvelous. <laughs> I particularly <laughs> en- enjoy the book. You've a dad form. and a mom. This is very auspicious. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it <laughs> is. Right. That's right. I, I particularly like the idea of putting Bernie to work. Good. Yeah. Good as he is, he, get he would probably do a good job. <laughs> Did you agree? Okay. With, Did you agree with my analysis of Frankie? Yes, I do. I think Were you there? That's right. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, great. Great. Okay, well, guess what, everybody? We've run out of time. <laughs> the show was Thank so good so I didn't much. want to interrupt, but congratulations uh, and your guests. Thank I loved you. it. Thank you. Goodbye-bye. Thanks, Dad. Take Dad. care. And thank you, Barbara and Madeline and, and you know, uh, Arlen. Wow, what a, what a great, great show this was. Thank you so much for joining me today. And everybody who was in the chat room and hung in there, and Dan for calling in, I really appreciate all your support. Again, thanks so much. I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. It was it was really a pleasure meeting you both. Likewise. Absolutely. Okay. And Arlen again is is at www.emergingimage.net, Fifth Avenue, New York Company. Uh, visit her website, please. You're brilliant. You're brilliant, Arlen. I just absolutely adore you. Take care, everyone. I will talk to you shortly, and uh, please be in touch. Stay in touch. I know. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, Frankie. Are you still there?